Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. We're at episode number 1720 today. Thank you so much for joining me for it. Thank you so much for subscribing to the show wherever you happen to be catching it. And thank you also to the patrons who help make this possible every single day. Hope you will consider joining them as well at patreon.com slash SW7x7. Today we are continuing our series of summaries of what we've learned about the particular portion of the timeline that we have been introduced to over the last few years in the Star Wars galaxy, specifically the sequel era and the time leading up to it as depicted in Star Wars Resistance. Yesterday we talked about new things that we learned about the Resistance, and today we are going to talk about new things that we've learned about the First Order thanks to the events of Star Wars Resistance. Now, prior to the debut of Star Wars Resistance, all we really knew about the First Order was that it was enormous, and the New Republic had no idea how enormous it was, and I don't think even General Leia Organa understood how enormous it was. She certainly understood that it was a growing threat and was trying to ascertain just how big a threat it was. She understood that there were worlds and senators representing those worlds that were funneling money to the First Order and that were profiting from the development of weapons for the First Order. But beyond that, the scope, the scale, like none of that was really well understood by anyone, even by us as casual viewers and, you know, what it took to actually get there. And it took really the entire 30 years in between the events of Return of the Jedi and the beginning of The Force Awakens to get there, despite the fact that, you know, there's some intimation that it's a burgeoning force, that it really isn't all that well developed by the time we get to the events of Star Wars Bloodline, which concludes six years before the events of The Force Awakens. You know, that's sort of the point at which we get an idea that things could be as bad as they might become, but we still don't necessarily have a clear understanding of the scope and scale of what the First Order is. So that's something that Star Wars Resistance gives us a piece of. And there's only so much that they can give because they've got a lot of work to do, but they are able to suggest to us a couple of different things. For example, in the episode Station Theta Black, we actually get to see a First Order mining operation that has been since abandoned, but was taking place in the Unknown Regions thanks to intelligence that Kaz Ziano was able to provide to the Resistance. And we find out that they had been mining Deadlinite, which is a substance that is needed to produce laser blasters. And they apparently were able to mine quite a lot from this one particular area of space in the unknown regions where they found this station Theta Black. And also thanks to Kaz's intelligence, they were able to find their way to a planet in the Dasal system in the unknown regions, a planet called Najrava, N-A-J-R-A-V-A, and an uninhabited moon orbiting the planet where there had also, by all appearances, had been a sun, or there was supposed to be one, and it was gone. It was utterly missing, and the planet Najrava itself had a giant hole tunneled through the middle of it, all the way through to the other side, and so we are given the idea that this is one of the places where the First Order was attempting to develop a weapon like Starkiller Base. And certainly there are other planetoids that have been damaged there, but 
it's hard to tell necessarily whether Starkiller was tested there or if it was just an early ground for actually trying to create Starkiller Base. That seems to be the implication that we've been given. We also learn that the First Order has been moving fuel through the Colossus station, but that they don't necessarily need the Colossus for themselves. Really, their ultimate goal will be to prevent the Colossus from falling into the hands of the Resistance. And as we learned at the end of the season, well, they weren't too successful in that regard. But because of the fact that they've been moving fuel through the station, it's allowed them at least in one location in the galaxy, to be able to prepare for their invasion of the known regions of the galaxy. We do know that Castellan sits near the edges of both the unknown regions and wild space because there have been discussions in Star Wars Resistance about getting to either of those locations or that Castellan is near both of those locations. And so, you know, we did talk in an earlier episode of the show about the difference between the two locations and the fact that, you know, Castellan and also Batu, both of these planets are in junctions or near junctions of the unknown regions in wild space, though this doesn't necessarily mean that they are near each other. In fact, if you think of a galactic map, you could consider the possibility that one of those planets might be in sort of the northwest quadrant of the galaxy where the unknown regions in wild space kind of commingle and the other could be in the southwest region of the galaxy it's entirely possible it's also entirely possible that they're both relatively <laughs> near each other we don't yet know because they've not been officially mapped for us we're also learning that maybe this color thing isn't quite as special <laughs> as we all thought it used to be. First, it was Captain Phasma with her shiny silver armor. And then we had Captain Cardinal from the novel Phasma, who had his red armor and was responsible for the training of all the younger cadets, whereas Phasma was training the older First Order cadets. This show, now we have the Golden Commander Pyre, and all we know is that he is in charge of, of messing over pirates and trying to get control of the Colossus Station. But as to why he got awarded gold armor, mm, yeah, we don't quite have... A satisfactory answer to that yet. And then, of course, there's Major Von Rag, the late dear departed Major Von Rag, who had red TIE fighter pilot uniform, or had a red TIE fighter pilot's uniform. And yeah, so I guess yeah, he'll just give color to anybody. Maybe not just to anybody. I mean, obviously, it's meant to designate a certain level of either rank or importance in the First Order, but it seems like. It's the brainchild of Armitage Hux. That would be Domhnall Gleeson's character in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and related media, but it's kind of hard to tell what he has in mind with this whole situation. And, you know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just nuts in the head, which, <laughs> based on him screaming as he did in Starkiller Base, I think it's probably a fair assumption that he's a little bit, you know, loose in the head, basically. <laughs> We've also had something complicated a little bit for us. We know that the First Order takes kids and you know, indoctrinates them into the First Order at a very young age. Where they're getting them, well, you know, presumably they're going to various planets in the unknown regions and stealing kids here and there. But 
They are also going to planets in the unknown regions and utterly wiping out villages and sometimes populations of whole planets were given to believe. And maybe that includes stealing children. Maybe that includes killing children. But what kind of children are they taking? Are they possibly taking Force-sensitive children or looking for Force-sensitive children as part of their activities? Well, that has yet to be established. But the fact that there are two kids from the planet Tehar who managed to survive, and at least one of them seems to be demonstrating some kind of force sensitivity, well, it certainly opens up an interesting avenue of discussion about what the First Order is really after with their child recruitment. You know, recruitment being... <laughs> the absolute wrong word for what they're doing, their child kidnapping schemes. And there is one other very definitive thing that we did not learn the answer to about the First Order, and which has some serious implications for everybody who is on the Colossus right now at the end of Season 1 of Star Wars Resistance, and I will tell you what that is in just a moment. First, though, I do have to remind you to subscribe to the show if you're not doing so already, wherever you happen to be catching it. I hope you'll also consider supporting me in delivering this daily dose of Star Wars joy to you day in and day out for almost five years now. Join me at patreon.com slash SW7X7, if you please. So we were told at the beginning of the series, or it was suggested to us at the beginning of the series, that there is a First Order spy on board the Colossus, and that's part of why Kaz was installed on the Colossus. We do not know who that First Order spy is. We never had it revealed to us. It was never discovered. If it is, in fact, the case that a First Order spy exists on the Colossus, then there's every reason to believe that spy is still there, and that means that spy could spell more trouble for Kaz and Yeager and everybody else on the Colossus whenever it drops out of hyperspace to start Season 2 of Star Wars Resistance, because... That person's going to be able to tell the First Order exactly where the Colossus is, and that is when the trouble will begin. At least that's certainly one way that it could pan out. And hopefully we'll get some sort of sneak preview about how that might pan out at Celebration Chicago next month. But for now, we'll have to content ourselves with what we've learned about the First Order so far, thanks to the first season of Star Wars Resistance. And we'll have to content ourselves with ending this episode of the show as well. So thank you again, of course, very much for joining me for this episode as always. And... May the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.